normally I have a, an introduction planned, but this week I didn't bother. Uh, so I'll just say welcome to Hannah Cobb. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the 225th episode of the Internet's Finest English Language Argentine Football Podcast. Sponsored, as usual, by the Buenos Aires Pub Quiz, because I remembered to say it this week. Um, which is by far the best pub quiz taking place in the microcentro of Buenos Aires on a monthly basis in English. Um, of all of that vast variety of pub quizzes that are available in that area on Monday nights... Uh, mine's the best so please come along you can get details at buenosirespubquiz.com or you can go to Facebook and click like it's facebook.com slash buenosirespubquiz easy to remember uh, I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week by Andres Bruckner hello how are you and by a new uh, panellist Killian whose surname I just realised I don't know or have forgotten Killian McCabe <laughs> pleasure to meet you Killian uh, Killian is here partly thanks to the Buenos Aires pub quiz, in fact, so he can attest how excellent it is. Um, Sorry, I must say I I don't uh, usually go to that Buenos Aires pub quiz because on Mondays I disguise as a football player. I go to play football, uh, and just at that time you you are as, uh, asking that questions. And, yeah, and uh, well, that's the reason why. It, it's a hand pod free zone, in fact, because none of the others have. I don't think ever. T- oh, English down did a couple of times before I started running it uh, but apart from that no hand pod panel members have ever taken part in the Buenos Aires pub quiz as far as I'm aware uh, Joel keeps threatening to make a debut at some point but never actually does anyway um, Killian tell us a little bit about yourself first of all why are you in Buenos Aires how long for do you support anybody and so on I'm here since January for the year um, and picked Buenos Aires in part because of the amount of football that we have so I'm Slowly but surely, trying to visit every stadium across the city and in the outskirts. I suppose if I were to pick someone, it would be Huracan, mainly because I've been there more than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. My friend is has a spare season ticket and keeps bringing me along, so nice stadium, nice fans, so enjoying it. It is a very nice stadium. It is. The fans can come or go, depending <laughs> on, on results, I find. But, uh, no, the, one, the ones I've met are all good. You're um, not trying to imitate the German guy there. Uh, no, I got asked if I if I knew him, <laughs> if he had sent me along. But no, this is a German guy for getting, to fill our listeners in a little bit. Um, oh, I'll let you tell the story. In fact, no, Andres, do you want to? There, there, there's a German guy I, I forgot the name, but who he says he has visited 177 stadiums in Argentina, so and Federal Bay even, and he said that from the the interior of Argentina, the, there is there was a classical between Tiro Federal, I think, and and uh, an airplane from Morteros that from that city of Cordoba, he was like fascinated because uh, fifteen of, of the fifteen thousand people went to the stadium, or uh, out of twenty five thousand that are, are the, the ones. The town. Yes. <laughs> so we bloody hell. Yes. Slightly behind the hundred and seventy seven. I think we all are for the moment. 
Um, I have one friend who claims to have been to, and in fact, Seba uh, also knows him, who claims to have been to every stadium in Greater Buenos Aires, um, which is pretty hardcore on itself. Um, anyway, let's get on with the results since we last recorded. We last recorded on Wednesday last week, didn't we? Um, yes, that's right, because we recorded just before Racing at River went out of the Libertadores. Since then, as uh, listeners probably know, uh, Rosario Central and Boca Juniors both won their ties on Thursday night. Boca got a 3-1 win on the night against Cerro Porteño, which meant they won 5-2 on aggregate. And Central beat, um, I've already forgotten who it was. 3-0. 3-0, thank you. 4 yeah. yeah. uh, the, 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 the overall. Yes, so 3-0 on the night, 4-0 um, on aggregate. Both of those teams kick off their first legs on Thursday evening. Boca on Thursday are away to Nacional of Uruguay. And Rosario Central are at home against Atletico Nacional, which is a very juicy looking tie in the quarterfinal sort of a shame that couldn't have been the final really it would have been fantastic but anyway um, apart from that we also had Copa Argentina Independiente won against San Telmo 2-1 that was mentioned in fact after the, la- after the theme music on the last episode because it happened just after we recorded and then after that the others were um, Deportivo Morón against I should have looked these up I, I, I remember that night uh, match because uh, there was involved a team in, we have been talking before we, we got on air uh, which is Estudiantes de San Luis uh, uh, winning against uh, Temple 2-1 all, uh, also the same result like uh, Independiente San Telmo yes yeah. so that's sorry yeah I'm getting confused now because I'm looking at the screen and this uh, listed here is Sportivo Estudiantes but you're quite right it's yes. Estudiantes de San Luis uh, Deportivo Morón put Aldo Civi out on penalties on last Thursday uh, and Estudiante de San Luis put Tempele out as Andres has just said on Tuesday evening so just uh, yesterday as we're recording now on Wednesday um, coming up oh in about an hour and a half in fact Vélez Sarsfield uh, play Sportivo Barracas and on Thursday evening Newell's Old Boys play San Sinena there's a new one bloody hell um, well, uh, I'm, I'm clicking uh, for information on Anyway, it's not that strange. This, this tournament is not as strange as the Copa Peru, which I think I, we have talked about. The oh, the Copa Peru, yeah, is, is a magnificently yeah. peculiar championship. Which Have you heard about the Copa Peru? It's no. become a bit of a viral phenomenon in recent years now that people are able to upload videos and stuff to the internet because several matches have been called off as a result of cows wandering onto the field and stuff. <laughs> And, uh, and every single team, like Sunday League teams in Peru, can can join in. Yes, anyone you could. Uh, and an open draw. You could uh, build a team with your your colleagues, your teammates, or, or workmates, and and, and so submit and play. Uh, so San Sinena, or it's perhaps a, a non, of course, not very non team, even for us. But uh, Copa Peru is incredible. <laughs> Um, anyway, moving on to the... Oh, they've got a Wikipedia page, bloody hell. Club Atletico San Sinena Social y Deportivo. They play in the Liga del Sur. They're from Bahia Blanca, it says here. Um, yeah. So, there we go. And apparently they're currently in the fourth division, which at that level is going to be the Tonel del Interior, isn't it? Yes. Primera, oh no, the uh, Federal B. Yes. which would explain why we've not heard of them. 
Anyway, apologies if we have any Sansinena supporting listeners. Um, but I do not mean to do you down. I had never heard of you before. I'm delighted that I now have. Um, in the league over the weekend, just gone on Friday, Union beat Argentinos Juniors 4-0 in Santa Fe. Uh, Quilmes hosted and lost pretty comfortably to Godoy Cruz, although Godoy Cruz needed a couple of late goals to uh, eventually run out 3-1 winners. Um, on Saturday, it was Newell's nil, Defensa Justicia 1, San Martin 2, Temperley nil, Vélez Sarsfield 2, Colón nil, San Lorenzo 2, River 1, uh, and Racing nil, Estudiantes nil. That was a very disappointing game after a, otherwise a fairly decent day of football um, for those of us who just sit on our armchairs and, and watch it. Uh, on Sunday, Arsenal beat Rosario Central 1-0 in Sarandí. Central, of course, were between the second leg of their Libertadores last 16 game and the first leg of the quarter-final that's coming up on Thursday. Lanús beat Aldosivi 2-0, a result which uh, assured Lanús of a place in the final. They have topped Group 2 uh, for certain, with two games still to go. Atlético uh, Tucumán 2, Belgrano 1. Boca Juniors 0, Huracán 0. Atletico de Rafaela nil, Tigre nil, and Gimnasia La Plata three, Independiente three, which was exactly as much of a silly match as the scoreline makes it sound. And then on Monday evening, Olimpo and Banfield drew 1-1 in Bahia Blanca, and Sarmiento beat Patronato 1-0 in Junín. It's, it's a pity Peter is not here, because that match, uh, <coughs> the 3-3 draw between Gimnasia and Independiente, uh, decided the, the last, it was the last match uh, from... Pellegrini in the bench. Of course, yeah, he's, he's not going to take charge for the last two games. Sorry, not Pellegrini. Pellegrini is uh, better. Than well, he's a potential replacement because yeah. he's not going to have any work after this yeah. after this weekend. Um, he doesn't want to stay in England, I don't think so. Oh. It'd be a turn up for the books. I think it's fair to say. Easy for the journalists, anyway. Yeah. But they, they couldn't uh, get San Paoli, who is uh, we could say not uh, similar, but a baby Pellegrini uh, and. So it will be much expensive, mm. much more expensive even Pellegrini than St. Paul, I think. Or well, maybe France is a challenge. Maybe he wants to come back to a league he's already familiar with, having, yeah. of course, won it with two different clubs before. Um, and it'd be a bit of a Ramon Diaz as well, because Diaz, of course, also managed River and San Lorenzo and then Independiente. Um, so you never know. But probably, if anybody is listening to this who's in charge of any internet transfer news stories or anything, Probably don't go with Pellegrini to Independiente because that seems unlikely. No, the the one who is almost there is uh, Gabriel Milito, who mm. has been uh, already working for Independiente, but in the reserves, he w- he left not in very good terms. But apparently, Moshano guys guys now say that that is over and and they want a new challenge with him because they're desperate. Yes, or because Moshano has no shame. One of the two. Um, other matches that really stood out over the weekend, apart from obviously as we say the three-three. Um, well, I I could catch of course the, the another disappointing presentation from River, where are more thinking more of course of the preseason and and that uh, I I always I notice that I realize that it's hard for me to talk about River. I block myself. I don't. I can't get clearly. Uh, how to say what I want to say, that's often, often <coughs> happens to me. But well, now it's of course a, a clearly, clear transition uh, moment for, for, for the team. 
for Gallardo, for the club, because uh, they have to build uh, another team. They know that they won't. Uh, uh, there won't be a lot of players leaving because they can't sign uh, uh, in return a lot of players. Uh, so we will see what happens. Um, the idea of, of Gallardo is to go to the U.S. United States and make the. the the, the preseason there, the, the the first preseason they do they did was there also, and then they won a lot of things, um, and well of course San Lorenzo was with a lot of things to play, much more than River. They are now top of the league with Cody Cruz alone, mm -hmm. uh, and it was clear that they will play with more uh, mentally, like more with more things and then. River, well, Gallardo admitted that they weren't, uh, they weren't playing for nothing. It's hard to say that it's painful, but it's real. And now they have to rearrange. Yeah, and we had a question, of course, last week um, regarding why River had been so poor. And uh, let me just remind myself exactly what the question was. In fact, um, and we said that it was probably better to to answer it after the uh, elimination that even at the time we were expecting, but just wait until the elimination was actually confirmed um, before we went to into it, uh, from Nashville, who asked a general analysis of why River is shit would be good if it's not already been done to death. Um, why have they struggled so much to, to get their level back up after? Because it's really been since the Libertadores final. What, um, what I think, my, a theory I, 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 I am thinking is that... Uh, uh, that Gallardo has been asking the same things for these players, the same things that he he used to ask for the players that were before the the semi-finals of the Copa Libertadores, when uh, we know that uh, Teo Gutierrez, Ariel Rojas, uh, well, Fulham Mori stayed, but it was like the starting of a, of a, a team that uh, was well, a lot of players uh, leaving and. And, and I think he asks Bartolo the same things that he used to ask for for Rojas to do, or or, or well, Pisculi, and a lot of players with, of course, a lot of uh, uh, performances much lower than, than they used to 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 have, like like well, Pisculici, who is now linked, being linked with Universidad Católica, uh, when uh, one year and a half he was shooting the, the, the putting crosses in the head of Funes Mori. Mm. Um, that is one thing, and the other I think is that, that I, I I say is that, uh, that uh, different players and, and Gallardo wants to play the same way, and, and that is not possible uh, because well Bertolo Bertolo Casco Machada um, Alvarez Valanta are not the same. They aren't Funes Mori. They aren't they aren't Ariel Rojas. They aren't Teo. Um, it's obvious, but. But it's real. I think it's it's one that is one of the points. Yeah, Gachardo said I can't remember whether it was before or after the Libertadores elimination that this has been the hardest um, semester of, of his managerial career so far, but also the one in which he's learned the most. So, do you have faith in him to be able to, to turn things around and for him to be competitive again when the new season kicks well, off in August? Well, I, I asked. I asked, I say, I, I mentioned here, or I said here, that it would be good for him uh, and, and, and for the team to discover new talents. And, and in, a, in a pair of matches, we, we discovered 
for example, Tomás Andrade, we mentioned him uh, last last episode, uh, and with a pair of things, not a, not a lot of things, with a pair of, of plays, we knew, we we noticed he was different. He was a, a player to be taken little by little, but with a, a match per match to have more minutes because he will, we all feel, real plate supporters feel, that he will do great things in the first, in real first division. Mm. Uh, the thing is not to uh, make him dizzy and to to be quiet. To like Ashardo said when he's uh, got into the pitch when, against Vélez, to f have fun. At first to have fun. Then you have you will have time to uh, take responsibilities and to have more commitment with the, with the team. Uh, Montiel was another kid that he got into the into the against Vélez uh, like like Andrade and he showed tremendous personality. He plays as a I think a, a first back, mm. a centre back, and he he played 20 minutes and he started giving directions to the to the to, the, to his teammates, and that is a, a show of tremendous personality. Things like this. It are the ones that see uh, makes me see a, a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, he came on for. Oh, sorry, Montiel didn't come on against San Lorenzo. No, no, against Vélez. Come on, yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, Vélez, but Andrade, yes, did uh, get got into both into yeah. in both matches, Vélez and San Lorenzo. Yeah, and and there was a something of a step up late on, whether it was Andrade who who proved the pivotal. Points or whether it was partly that San Lorenzo had just got two 0 up and had the game won or whatever, but um, there was an improvement. But we will sit on the fence for the moment and, and I guess remain to be convinced by River. Hopefully, uh, they should really have won in the Copa though. If but they had scored earlier, oh, absolutely, they would yeah, have yeah. four but or five uh, they could have easily. So it could have been a completely different story. But it's a problem that they've had for yeah. for a while. Is is that they creating chances hasn't been the problem the problem has been putting them away and again I mean in the Libertadores last week I think I'm right in saying that uh, Alario only came on for the last half hour hmm. yes. that's it yeah, there are some decisions obviously and I yes. assume this is one of the things that Gachado's learning is yes. but when Lucas Alario has got such a fantastic record of scoring in pretty much all of the big games that he's played for River almost yes. Um, I forgot to mention that he yes. left on the bench for such an important game Alario played 30 minutes 20 minutes and he scored the goal and Alonso yes he, he's uh, good with his teammates he he's like a pivot something like that uh, but in a game exactly yeah I mean in a game that River knew they needed to win at least 2-0 2-0 would have forced penalties more than that would have would have sent River through um, in a game where they, need, they knew they needed to score a minimum of two goals at least start with both of them but I like Alonso, but when he's near the goal, he does tend to play with his back to the goal a lot. He's bringing it down the chest and chesting it down to D'Alessandro all the time. It's never, or very rarely, seems to be, turning the defender, sticking it in the net, he, which obviously is, is what Alonso yeah, like, sells at. It looks like if he didn't have any uh, confidence to, 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 to shot, mm. to make, shot, shot on goal, because uh, all the time assists, uh, like you said, chest with chest with the head. He's good at, 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 at that point, but he's a striker and he has to score goals. Uh, he started well because he, he scored against Trujillanos twice, then against, uh, I don't remember the league, against Belgrano once. 
against another, uh, I think it was Sarmiento. Yes. Oh, on the second I will bring yeah. up his, his victims. Against Sarmiento, he, the, the, the match that ended in the draw, in the draw but he's, he scored. Uh, then it was, it's all the time assisting. Uh, Alonso has got goals in the league against Belgrano and Sarmiento. That's it. One against uh, each. And yes, that, that is, uh, I think, a bad decision from Gallardo. It's a it's, well, mistake, we can say. Mm. Of course, with the newspaper after the match. But uh, when with Alario scoring, you, you, you noticed that. Uh, and well, 36 str- uh, shots uh, on goal and, and one goal. That's, of course, another deficit because. Uh, yeah. You can say, talk about the, 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 the bar, about hit the bar, and, and, and that River w- uh, tried by any way, from all the possible ways to to to, uh, to score and, and well, Librado Ascona, the, the hero of, of Independiente del Valle, uh, avoided it. And then I, I I heard he he considered three or four goals in 20 minutes. The other the match yeah. after. Uh, yeah, apparently so. I suppose you can't keep that level of performance. And he was superb, but equally, you know, even if it, even if every one of River's shots uh, that didn't go in had been saved by him, which obviously was not the case, but even if, if a goalkeeper's made 35 saves, some of that is still your strikers finishing that you've got to blame for sticking it straight at him a fair few times, presumably. Um, anyway, moving on from River, because there were some major winners during the weekend, and as I mentioned, the biggest one of those was Lanús, who... Um, Beat Aldosivi 2-0, it was very comfortable, and it means that Group 2, I'm slightly disappointed that English Dan uh, wasn't available uh, to record today, he, w- he was available to record tomorrow, but of course tomorrow we've got two Copa Libertadores matches, so it wouldn't have made any sense to record tomorrow, um, because he was telling us, Andres, a couple of weeks ago that Group 2 was the higher standard uh, than Group 1 in, in this league so far. And I think a, a good counter-argument against that, if I, and I wish I could now make it to him, uh, is that Lanús have won Group 2 with two games to go. Whereas Group 1, you've got two teams neck and neck, Arsenal are still mathematically um, in with a chance, albeit it would take a miracle for them to, to reach the final. Um, but Lanús have been you know, very, very good, as we've mentioned a few times in the last few weeks. A very comfortable win over Albacibi. Uh, with Jose Sand scoring yet again because he's only ever been good for one team and that team is Lanús. Um, did you manage to catch much, most of it, guys? I Any saw the news. They're it's fine to impressive. say no, by the way, Kylian. No, I saw They're good. They're um, ah, nobody amazingly special, but they're a really, really solid team mm. and everyone does their job well and they're just... Yeah, they know what they're doing and they... Yeah, they they were patient and just kept at it and got the job done like they've been doing all season. I think the the thing that I kind of uh, like I I like obviously as I'm sure we all do certainly as as most uh, football fans seem to teams who are expansive who get forward mm-hmm. and who try to attack. Um, but I also having played probably a bit more football manager in my life than is healthy. Um, I kind of admire teams who, who build out from the back. I mean, when I'm trying to construct a football manager team, I, I look for that sort of triangle of, or, or diamond, I guess, of goalkeeper, two centre-backs, and, and if you're going to play a defensive midfielder, then, a, then a, a, that midfield. And Lanus' defence, from that point of view, has allowed them to, to get four because they've conceded six goals in 14 games, which is a pretty bloody good total. Um, 
And, it's, and in fact, I would say, you, you say that uh, they don't have any outstanding players. I would say Gustavo Gomez is probably the closest they've had. Obviously, Sands' goals have, have helped tremendously, and they have scored a fair few as well. It's worth pointing out. They've scored, in fact, the same number as Racing. Uh, both of those, both Lanús and Racing have scored 26, which is more, I believe, than anybody in Group 1. Um, but, of course, Racing have conceded 24 goals. <laughs> and Lanús have conceded 6. But they, they look even more solid, or, or, or at, at least say... Uh, the same solid is solid. They have the same uh, strength than, than they had with goals and izquierdos. Uh, they were like mm. like a pair of of, of center backs that that the Lanús supporters may, may have thought. Well, if they go, they are gone. Yeah, and, and as well because they, they also lost Marquesin, uh, the goalkeeper. At the same time as those two, they replaced him with Fernando Monetti, which I said at the time was as good a replacement for Magnusin as they were going to get uh, from the local league and yeah I mean Gustavo Gomez has been a revelation this season I think I, I haven't sort of noticed him all that much um, un- until this term uh, but he's been very very good and Marcelo Herrera alongside him maybe slightly less obviously outstanding but uh, Herrera or, or fantastically. Is, you mean the the, the other centre back or Bragieri? I was th- sorry, you're right. I mean, Bracieri. I was looking at Herrera because he was the one who started oh. against Aldo Sibi, but you're quite right. I, yes, Bracieri was, was the guy. And also, Victor Ashala, who until now we've seen in midfield, has been playing right back, or at least he played right back against Aldo Sibi, according to this lineup that I'm currently looking at. Um, he, but usually, it's Gomez, Jose Gomez, who was formerly mm. at Racing, then San Martin San Juan. And he's and now at Aldo Sibi, is it? Or? No, no, I think San Martin San Juan, and now Lanús. Uh, Directly from from San Juan, but uh, yes, incredibly how they made a solid defense in, in not a lot of time with uh, the, like the like the base is the, the a solid defense with with them also and a, a, a one with with experience like uh, Velázquez in the right in left back hmm. uh, historic from Lanús. then Roman Martinez Ashala. Uh, even though that he played uh, at the right back in against uh, Lanús, if if Universal Football is right, uh, and uh, well, Roman Martinez and Sand, they are like four or five players that are in a superb level. Even Sand, uh, yeah. uh, he showed something at Aldo Sibi, but when he went uh, came back to Lanús, where the team when he wanted to go uh, and to play, he said, well, yes. Is Lanús is, a, is, a, is a, like a, like Atlético Madrid for Simeone is Lanús for for Precisely, Sand. Precisely, yeah. I mean, Sand for those who've forgotten for a long time, uh, Jose Sand was the top scorer in the history of River Plate's youth teams before, as Andres says, uh, Federico Andrada overtook him. Um, but then when he actually got into the first team, he was useless for the first team. He was useless for Racing. Did he go abroad? I don't remember. But if he went, he was very little time. Mexico? I'm thinking Mexico. Could be Mexico. Once again, this is something I should have researched before and didn't, because that's the uh, level of professionalism that you can expect from Um He went to... Oh, oh, he played for Colón. Yes. Made his debut at Colón. Apparently. Um, here we go. Colón, Independiente Rivadavia, Vitoria in Brazil, Defensores de Belgrano, and then he came back to River. Banfield, Colón, Lanús, Al Ain. I knew he'd been abroad. Deportivo La Coruña, where he played five times and didn't score any goals. Tijuana, 
uh, in Mexico, and then Racing Tigre, Argentinos, Boca Unidos, Aldo City, and Lanús. And as we say, pretty much the only club out of all of those where he's looked even halfway decent uh, is Lanús. He got seven goals in 16 games in uh, the 2003-04 season for River, and that really is the high point, because in 04-05 he played 26 matches and only scored once. Um, whereas Lanús, he's got 12 in 14 and counting so far this year. Uh, and in his previous spell, 22 in 30 and 29 in 37. He's like a completely different player for some reason. And, and decently, isn't also physically. Uh, his physical for, his form is, is good. It's not that mm. he's... Uh, slow. Uh, we we I should have bet in in in, in any 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 bookie he whether will Sun be fast or slow? Well, slow. No, and he he's yeah. fast. He's good. So well done, Jose Sun, and well done, Lanus for um, if nothing else for proving us very very wrong from our preseason preview where we picked them out as one of the three teams along with Newells and Belles who desperately needed to improve and didn't stand a chance of actually improving. Talking about the goal rate, you have uh, talked about Sand. Mm. Uh, he, he was ironically called almost a goal, quasi goal, mm. almost goal Sand, because he he didn't score a lot of goals. And now at Lanús he's shout, uh, shouting a lot of mouths. Yeah, so Lanús are going to have the um, that place in the final, which is played on the... Uh, mm. 29th is it? This, it's basically two weeks this weekend. So I think it's the 29th of um, May. Yes, it is. That, it, that will be the final? There for, in the final? Four days before the... Well, he won't be to the national team, we, we think. But oh, you're quite right, though. Yeah, in theory, it. if a team who were giving players to the national side get into that final, um, then, yeah, they'd have to miss it, wouldn't they, for the, just the Copa America Centenario. Um, so, yeah, I know some one of the teams. The other team... It's rather more up in the air because, as we say, Godoy Cruz, who beat Quilmes 3-1 um, in, in Quilmes, and San Lorenzo, who, as we mentioned already, have beaten River 2-1, uh, are still neck and neck at the top of Group 1. The Group 1 is going to be decided... Oh, I'm going to, to... To ask this openly, in fact, do we think Group 1 is going to be decided by goal difference or by points in the end, Jones? Or even by a playoff if they both end up on the same goal difference and goal score, but that is quite unlikely. Yes, hard, hard to say uh, to to make a preview, uh, but uh, yes, I I have in mind the the, the the rivals they have. Yeah, as it stands, Godoy Cruz have got thirty points and San Lorenzo have got thirty points. Um, Godoy Cruz have a goal difference of fourteen and San Lorenzo have a goal difference of five. As I said earlier, Arsenal still have a mathematical chance, but they're six points behind with two games to go. Um, so I'm going to call it unlikely that San Lorenzo managed to get in. It would require both Godoy Cruz and San Lorenzo to lose both of their remaining games and Arsenal to win both of theirs. Um, Godoy Cruz's remaining opponents, they are at home to Belgrano this coming weekend and they are away to San Martín de San Juan on the final weekend. And San Lorenzo have got an away game against Colón this weekend and then a home game against Banfield. None of those look particularly no. well, Colón, given the form those two sides are in. I would bet that any team that uh, plays against Colón should win, even mm. playing Santa Fe, as all the board members of Colón are, are resigning tomorrow. I heard that oh, really? at least. And they will have, of course, to have uh, early elections. 
if 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 that's for sure, uh, yes, uh, it's going to throw the squad into some turmoil. Yes, and Cologne have had quite a spectacular drop off in form, in fact, because they won their first mm. three games in a row, and since then, um, since the the third round, they've only managed to win two more in the subsequent ten matches, uh, or is it eleven? Eleven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, um, and have they've got two wins, two draws, and therefore seven defeats. Uh, which, after winning the first three and sort of looking amazing uh, in doing so as well, I mean, they, they were entertaining, enterprising, attacking from all corners. Yeah, they defeat uh, in a good, very good way at River for one. Uh, then in the classico, I think, uh, uh, well, they, they lost and, and they had some episode with Alan Ruiz and. and and like a fight, mm. apparently a fight with, between him and, and Pablo Ledesma, another, another uh, experienced uh, midfielder. Um, and yes, after that, they, they weren't only down, I think. So it's a remarkable turnaround for them in not entirely a positive way. Um, or, albeit those, those three early wins did basically see them clear of, of relegation danger because they started the year off as potentially one of the teams who were going to be in trouble. Um, due to the, the, the promedios, uh, the point average system. Um, and those three early wins, I think if I'm right in saying we were saying they needed nine points in order to be completely safe, and they got those nine points in the first three matches, and they just seemed to go, right, that's it, that's all we need. Feet up, lads. Um, but relegation battle will have a, 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 a tremendous match between Sarmiento and Argentinos. The ones, the, the both teams are, 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 are even there in, in points. And they are playing, I don't remember if this week or the other one. Oh, sorry, yeah, you mean in the relegation table. Yes. I was getting. I was trying to sorry, work yes. out how they can be even on points when they're in different groups. But yeah, I, know I was, I have my head in the clouds, so don't apologise, it was my fault. Um, they, they're in separate groups, they don't play each other, but if they end up level on points, you're quite right, they'll, they'll have to play a playoff to decide who goes No, down. but uh, there is a match uh, per, per round in which one team plays with the other team in the, in the group. In the Sarmiento have got Tigre and Olimpo ah, coming up. Well. Um, so the relegation... Tigre is Sarmiento's yes. supposed Clásico. Yes, drawn out of a hat. Um, and you might be thinking Tempele and Argentinos, perhaps? Who are very close, uh, possibly. Let's have a look at who Tempele have got left. I don't know why. If I, I, I thought uh, they, they were playing each other because uh, uh, Carlos Lombardi, of course, complained about the referees. That, uh, yeah, for a change. <laughs> yes. And I thought that he was going to play. No, he complained about the referee that is going to be in Argentina Juniors match, which is Beligoy. Uh, as, as Carlos Lombardi said, that uh, he has a good relationship with Segura, mm -hmm. the former uh, president of Argentina Juniors, but he, of course, is uh, identified with, with the team. Yes, well, um, Caruso Lombardi is going to be entertaining, I think, whichever way that match goes, uh, given his, his track record. Um, but yeah, we will have to wait and see. The relegation situation at the moment is that Argentina is the bottom of the relegation table uh, with their base. I won't bother with the points per game nonsense because the bottom three clubs have all played the same number of matches. Um, so Argentinos have got 41 points, Tempele have got 43 points, and Sarmiento have got 44 points. Um, so the most likely is that it's going to be one of those three teams, I think, looking at it. Um, although, 
Patronato could be in, in some difficulty if they lose both of their two remaining games and the others pick up some points, I think. But it's quite difficult to work out because, of course, Patronato only got this season on the table. We were talking before we started recording, Killian, about mm-hmm. your, you know, how, how you're finding Spanish and in particular the Argentine accent. So now, to flip that on its head, how are you finding the, the Argentine relegation system to understand? Have you bothered looking at it before now? Or? Yeah, I've got as far as the promedios, the averages, so will end. Yeah, if people have the same averages, what happens then? That's a whole different kettle of fish, but um, we're getting they, there. If they end up on the same average, which, let's say, if Tempele lose both of their yeah. remaining games and Argentinos draw both of theirs, um, they'd both end up on 43, 43. points from 46 matches. Do we have a magical um, playoff? And then they have to have a playoff, yeah. One yes. match in a neutral stadium. I think it's 90 minutes and then penalties straight away, if I'm not mistaken. Um That'd be entertaining. I can. I don't know. I haven't seen Temperley, but Argentinos are atrocious. Argentinos are atrocious. Yes, are that's for that's abysmal. that's most sure sure alternative because in Argentina uh, they are almost not uh, extra time for for playoff yeah. and yes, much more sure uh, alternative is that they play ninety minutes and and, and penalty uh, straight away. Yeah, you're not big for the extra half hour, are you? Don't really fully understand why but anyway um, elsewhere over the weekend uh, oh we have a game that one of us was at of course because you, <laughs> you went to Arsenal versus Central didn't you I headed down to Sarandi yeah um, with about th- 400 other hardy souls <laughs> to see Arsenal against Central who yeah as they were playing in the Copa Libertadores weren't really bothered Arsenal themselves, considering they still have the a mathematical chance of getting to the final, didn't seem overly bothered either. Mm. But I suppose yeah, they gave that little extra bit of effort to um, that saw them get the win in the end. Which yeah, not many fans, but the ones that were there enjoyed it. It was a penalty, so not even a nice goal to comment on. But um, it's a, and it was kind of a pity because obviously. As, as, as I said before uh, before we started recording to you, Central, and indeed as I said at the, top, at the start of the recording, and as, and as you just said yourself, Central uh, were, were paying more attention to the Copa Libertadores and, and the fact that it's falling right in between mm-hmm. um, two legs and, and the league is over for them anyway. But Arsenal have played some surprisingly decent stuff yeah. um, throughout the season so far, so it was kind of a game particularly bearing in mind the quality of Central's uh, reserves as well that had the potential to be better than it was <laughs> yeah let's, let's, let's put it that way yeah no, I mean it wasn't the worst game I've ever seen but it was um, yeah it was all just off the pace as we say it's some good stuff from both teams at times but yeah especially yeah as you say Arsenal they had something to play for mm. and I suppose yeah they got their penalty and then kind of consolidated didn't put too much uh, forward it? I'm just saying now, it was only 26 minutes in as well. Yeah. I think I only caught the second half of that game. I certainly switched it on and they were already 1-0 up. So that's quite early for a basically game-killing exactly. uh, goal to happen. As they well. kind of sat back then and went on the counter-attack. Some good counter-attacking but, and missed a good few chances. But hmm. yeah, They basically invited Central onto them and Central weren't too interested. They uh, nah, pushed a little bit but yeah, as we said, not too much happening the switch in emphasis from Central I have been impressed with though because they started the year off 
very, very much going, right, we want the league. The league is our big chance to, to finally end this, is it 37 years or something, trophy drought that they've got. Um, and the Libertadores is much more demanding, so we'll see what we can do there. And then we're rotating, playing a stronger team in the league and a weaker team in the Libertadores. And in spite of that, they get through the Libertadores groups that are very impressive indeed in the last couple of matches of the group and then again um, against Gremio in, in the round of 16. And so, as, as I say, in spite of the fact that Central in league terms are in iffy form, um, we are, I think we all would pick out uh, Central against Atletico Nacional as, as the tie to watch of the Libertadores quarterfinals, which begin um, shortly after we, we finish recording this evening um, with an all Brazilian tie between San Paulo and Atletico Mineiro, isn't it? Yes. Um, and the first leg of the other tie. So it's Sao Paulo v Atletico Mineiro on Wednesday night, uh, Central versus Atletico Nacional and Nacional versus yes. Boca on Thursday, and then next week is the first leg of the other one because of Mexican league scheduling, I think. Uh, yes, Pumas yes. against Delvasha. Of course, yeah. <laughs> that lot. I've already written it out in my mind, the, the team who put River out. Um, other notable results. None really. We're going to end up with a lot of dead matches on the last in the last, particularly the last weekend. I think, aren't we? The the championship structure. Gimnasia Independiente was a bit of fun. It was fantastic fun. Um, and Racing Independiente, it's, it's uh, that explains a bit why Lanús has already secured a first place. Yeah. In the in the. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't because in fact, all Racing Estudiantes did was mean that Lanús only needed a draw against Aldo City. But even if Estudiantes had beaten Racing. Lanús would still have qualified with a win against Aldo Civi anyway. Um, but Racing, in fact, sorry, but you're right to bring it up in one sense because having stayed in to watch it on Saturday evening, um, I was kind of disappointed by that match. I, I thought Racing are going to be sort of up for in front of their own fans, having gone out of the Libertadores a few days earlier, and they played a full-strength team. They obviously wanted to sort of to go right. Sorry, fans. Uh, for, for the copper exit but we're going to give you something to sort of cheer about now and, and to entertain Estudiantes very much needed to, to win and then hope that Lanús dropped points so both teams had something to play for I think rushing the, the same way as oh, River yeah. against the Independiente del Valle they, they felt the, 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 the pain or the the the, the knock of, of, of having uh, been eliminated from from and and it was uh, he Romero Oscar Romero the Paraguayan he mm. admitted it was uh, like uh, something bad uh, that it was uh, I don't know how to say it, a fracaso uh, failure. a failure yes um, uh, and now we they we will have to see because it was a, they had a, a a very good team in players at least in names with uh, with both with Roger Martinez with Romero. Even Martinez not being uh, in a certain lineup, uh, with uh, uh, Awed playing in a good level, with uh, uh, Videla playing in a good level, with uh, uh, Licha Lopez, Lison Lopez playing also in a good level. So it was, for me, it was uh, not uh, ha uh, easy to explain how they, how come they they, they were eliminated by Mineiro, but uh, now. Probably Bow, and we will have to see if Roger Martinez continues in the team. And at the, the same way as uh, the rest of the Argentinian teams, it's a big question mark how they will, with which 
players they will continue from June. It's it's something that will happen as every year uh, the starting of the new season. The players that come, the players that go. Yeah, um, and in fact, on that note, it's going to be something as as Andres says that's not going to go away. Um, and we have after this next break. Um, a really thrilling discussion on football finances in Argentina because it's been something that's been very much to the fore uh, in, in the last couple of weeks and um, although we haven't had too many questions about it I don't think no we haven't uh, we're going to talk about it anyway because I just wrote an article about it as well which I want to plug a bit um, so we're going to take a break now we're going to refill our glasses and when we come back we will discuss football finances in Argentina and television rights which is something that's always at the forefront of your mind when you think about this league of course uh, I'm only being semi-sarcastic because many of you I know enjoy the fact that the league is currently uh, broadcast free on YouTube or at least many of the matches are um, to the world and that might be changing before long so we'll be right back and tell you um, why that is. Don't go away. Exciting part of Hand of Pod. Um, there was a La Nacion report published on Tuesday. Some very good work um, from them, uh, which reveal that the clubs that make up the Argentine Football Association, because the clubs are sort of stakeholders in the association here, um, have got a rather interesting amount of debt. It doesn't sound like an awful lot to Europeans or possibly to North Americans in a non-footballing context, um, albeit maybe in a, a soccer context it does, um, but it is rather a high number. The total amount of debt is 985 million Argentine pesos, which is why it doesn't sound like quite so much to Europeans. Um, to put this into context, Independiente are the biggest debtors to the AFA. Uh, they owe the AFA a total of 100 million no, wait, that would be a lot, wouldn't it? 100,418... No, no, I was right, sorry. 100 million, 418,187 pesos, which is roughly equivalent uh, in terms that most of our listeners will be able to put it into to about 5 million quid... Um, sorry, you're not all native English speakers, are you? To about 5 million English pounds, British pounds, um, or 8 million-ish US dollars. Um, which doesn't sound like very much, but in the context of Argentine football, it is, and in the context, indeed, of the Argentine economy, it is. Why do clubs end up owing the Football Association money? And and how come you all the time here? Uh, well, not all the time. Right now it's not like that. But uh, we were used to to hear uh, that a player from an Argentinian club that uh, lives to Europe. Uh, is paid eight million dollars, hmm. uh, and now they owe that money, and it looks a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Independent, they can't even finish their stadium, so it's a wonder where all that money's gone. Precisely. The um, 
the the very and in fact actually it's interesting you bring up the Independiente Stadium because it, that is an interesting question. Um, Independiente Stadium has been paid for by I mean the the official version anyway is and, and certainly the the stages of it being built appear to corroborate this. It was paid for by Sergio Aguero's transfer fee to Atlético de Madrid, which when he was sold was something like twenty million euros or somewhere around that, wasn't it? I think um, back in the days when you could still get top dollar as an Argentine club for a talent like him um, and the reason that it halted for a very long time which which you won't have seen but when I first moved to Argentina have you been to Independiente Stadium yeah, yet? I was there a couple of weeks ago so when I first went to Argentina that came to Argentina sorry uh, or rather when I first moved here because when I first came here on holiday that the Doble Vicera was still standing um, when I first moved to Argentina in 2010 that stand that backs onto where Racing Stadium is mm-hmm. was only half built they, they built halfway along the pitch and there was a gap and stops. Um, obviously that was the stand the TV cameras were in so it didn't get picked up on the TV cameras um, and then Aguero moved to Manchester City and Independiente got a solidarity fee uh, for another few million dollars or pounds or euros or whatever you want to say uh, and were able to finish the stand so now it's at least got four sides to it but it still hasn't got the roof they've still not finished the executive boxes and I, I don't yeah, know whether they've Garganta finished Garganta del Diablos are in various states of completion yes I think one of them is done two nearly done and one just kind of sitting there yeah um, looking a precisely. bit barren and so they allegedly what happened was that the money ran out in between but given some of the people who've run Independiente in the last decade and a half and indeed, given some of the people who run Argentine football, did all of that money really get spent on construction? Uh, I don't remember if it was uh, the last decade, but I don't remember exactly the year in which Independiente were the champions. Uh, Ducaten Sailor was the president before Comparada uh, presidents, and he admitted paying money in order for Independiente to be the champions. He admitted that uh, openly. So he had to hurry to hurry to to leave the the club in a hurry because he 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 was going to be killed anyway uh, other way um, and well that that means well how how clubs are, are are right now or independiente precisely perhaps because he's the they are the the club that owe more the more money uh, and and you have to 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 see these things to understand uh, the present of course. Sorry, yeah, I'm just trying to look up now when uh, Independiente were last champions because it interests me. I'm, I'm going to guess 2007? No, before. It Maybe. was 2001, no, uh, before the, the president, the former president, before Compada was there, uh, and he, he admitted this. Let's have a look, hang on a second. Ducatan Sailor was there. Most recent Primera Championship is... Oh, you're right, 2002-03. Doesn't say which one. It was the... Uh, Apertura, 2002. So you're quite right, it was earlier than 2007. Two, oh, 2007 was when they won the Sudamericana, maybe. Or was that 2008? Something like that, anyway. Something like that, yes. Uh, Moving on. Uh, um the debt specifically, to, to answer my own question uh, from a few minutes ago, how the clubs end up getting into debt with the AFA, the reason is that, uh, especially under Julio Rondona, there was this um, 
model at the AFA whereby, well, it's basically money for votes, right? I mean, Grandona admitted this himself. He would hold back TV money from clubs at times to, to keep them needing him more than he needed them uh, when, when the TV money was played into a central pot, which it still is, in fact, which is part of the talk about the Super League that's now happening. Um, and he would also be you know, quite generous, especially with some of his favourite clubs, about loaning money to clubs so that they could pay players and that they could pay for transfers or, or stadium refurbishments or just so that they could pay staff sometimes um, and never really expecting it back. And so there became this culture of clubs budgeting um, to not have to pay back the debt. I mean, they'd have an annual budget and, and it would say, yeah, okay, uh, sure, we already owe the app for whatever, 50 million pesos, but that doesn't matter. We're not going to be expected to pay that back at any point. Um, and now in, in Mauricio Macri's brave new Argentina, where uh, we have to be fiscally responsible, um, some of those clubs are finding that the AFA, in fact, is so short of money itself that it's starting to call in some of the debt. And the debt, as we already say, Independiente are the biggest debtors with only about £5 million, which in English football context doesn't sound like anything at all. Uh, it would be a drop in the ocean of the new English uh, Premier League TV deal. But in the context of, of the Argentine economy, it's a huge amount. And in fact, what I'm more confused about is that further down this La Nación article, we have a table that is not of, of debtors, it's a table of creditors. Because some of the clubs have got to the point where they're owed money by the AFA. So River, for instance, a few years ago, were very famously like one of the biggest, if not the biggest, debtor to the AFA. I think they at one point owed something like 83 million pesos. And under Rodolfo Donofrio, they have... Um, undergone a, a, a period of course of a great success on the pitch and also trying to completely clean the club's finances make them more fiscally tight and, and uh, sustainable um, and have now reached the point where they are 2,481,858 pesos in credit with the AFA I, I don't really understand how that happens they paid off all the debts and then they just said okay have another 2.5 million pesos on top of that what's that about? Yes. Do you have any idea, Andres? I mean, clubs that owe a lot of money and others that AFA owes. Crucero del Norte, the biggest creditors, <laughs> this is the really weird one. Crucero del Norte owed nearly four and a half million pesos by the AFA. Why? Is that for prize money for last year's Primera or what? The reason I ask in, in, in such uh, surprised terms is that. There's nothing in the article that explains why these clubs are owed money by the AFA. I can understand, as I just outlined, how, why, why clubs and why owe they money didn't, to AFA. But why they didn't say anything? Or yeah. say, well, of course, Rosalinda will have, been, will have resigned, uh, um, re uh, relegated anyway, uh, but it's a lot of money, and, and for a, a small club, even more money. Yeah. And, they, and it could be that that's their cut of the TV deal and the AFA haven't quite got around to paying it to them yet. But the second biggest creditors to the AFA are Central Córdoba of Santiago del Estero, who are owed nearly four million pesos <laughs> and were not in the Primera last year. <laughs> I mean, what is this about? You get to the point there where you're looking at the, uh, at the tables and you're thinking some of these clubs have got to be run or owned by some dodgy people in the interior who were sort of you know the, the kings of these very small towns such as well, the, the well relatively a, small towns such as Posadas where Cristero del Norte plays such as wherever the hell Central Cordoba there plays is an, an, only, an only case I think there is an example of 
a well a well managed team with a, a man that is being the manager, mm -hmm. which is Belgrano, by uh, who, that is managed by uh, Armando Perez, who's not a is the president, but at the, at the same time he's like a like a manager, not a it's not a, a he's driving all the things mm. like he was the owner. Yeah. And not for nothing is he one of the candidates uh, to yes. uh, take over from Segura as, as AFA president when the election happens next month. Belgrano are the fifth biggest creditors just behind River, um, with, or rather, uh, who are owed uh, 202,006,473 pesos. To put this into, into terms that people might be able to understand as well, that aren't just the exchange rate, uh, that 6,473 pesos is just over a thousand pesos more than, than my girlfriend and I pay in rent a month. So like some of these sums, if you, if you go far enough down, right, the, the top 30 creditors, the 30th biggest creditor is Defensores de Cambaceres, who owe the equivalent of just under four months rent for me. <laughs> or rather are owed the equivalent of just under four months rent, four months of my rent by the AFA, 20,282 pesos. And you just think, why do the AFA not just give them that? It's not as if it's going to come in useful at some point in the future and they'll be able to go, oh, can we have 20,000 pesos, please? You can't do anything with that. You'll, you'll be able to do even less with it if you wait a year before claiming it because in a year's time, the peso will be worth Could be that less. The papers there at Afar are not very clear. Are, are, are They are like lost or, or something like that. That's in the running for understatement of the century. <laughs> yes, I don't think they, they have even computers. I, I think they haven't because it's... It's crazy how they... Well, quite famously, Grondona, up until fairly recently, before he died, used to keep the, the AFA's papers in his own, like in a school exercise book that he just jotted all the numbers down on. Um, so I think you're quite right. I'd be amazed if it's all on, on computers. I think La Nation's report probably puts it onto, in, in a computerised form, in a far greater detail than, than, than the AFA have got it. Um, well, they, they have a... Well, of course, we always criticise La Nation, and, but they have a good... Uh, data journalism mm. team uh, and they have visual to, they, they are good in visualizing uh, information data and, and then of course releasing it yeah one thing that the if, if you read Spanish then you can uh, find the link uh, the easiest way to find it because I tried googling it during the break and, and had some difficulty in spite of the fact that it should have shown up in my browser history so the easiest way to find it in fact is to go to Andres's uh, Twitter um, profile and look under his favourites. It's, it's one of the top ones there. Um, just make sure, I'm warning you now, Andres, you can go home and delete any embarrassing ones that you've got. In there. Um, and uh, one thing to bear in mind if you read Spanish and are going to look through it is that they do keep all of the currencies uh, in pesos and don't bother applying inflation to those figures, which is a bit confusing because inflation uh, in Argentina for the last three or four years certainly has been running at about 35% per year. It's just recently um, been uh, revealed by the new government that they're expecting it to be running at about 40% for at least the next few months. And so I think a more sensible thing is probably to look at the numbers and then to convert them into dollars, let's say. Um, that gives a better sense of what the, the debt actually is um, and sort of protects the, the figure against inflation a little bit more. Um, but anyway, that, that's an interesting one. And the other point that rises from this uh, in fact no let's before we talk about the Superliga Killian you said something before we started recording that I hadn't heard about which was the protest that happened uh, for Estudiantes de San Luis, de San Luis. yeah so Andres was mentioning earlier that 
well, basically from the kickoff, they were playing Tacheres, who are top of the Bay Nacional. But from the kickoff, they just kicked the ball straight out of play and then linked arms shoulder to shoulder at the center circle for a few moments of applause and basically in protest that they haven't been paid in five months. Mm. Uh, in fairness, yeah, Tacheres nearly got more credit because they uh, applauded along with them and let them have their moment of protest and everything like that. The crowd joined in. So, yeah, the coverage seemed to be pretty positive towards that. Everyone seemed to think it was a pretty good way of going about it. Yes, and I, I, I mentioned uh, before we started that uh, the team San Luis victory last night against Temple or Uncle Argentina made them win uh, $30,000, which is, I think, more than a, a bonus month of salary for them or, or wages. Yeah. And, and they have not been... Uh, receiving any money since November, like he said, the same way like Ilmes, which is a first division team, it's, it's a, so it's a it's a similar case. Uh, and uh, well, right. the uh, players have been refusing to train fairly recently. Yeah? Yes. Carry on. Yeah. Sorry, I was out. No, no. And, and then there are players that uh, then you have to understand how players are 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 uh, angry with the board members or, or the president because they aren't paid. Uh, decently or, or the way they sh they think they should have been paid um, and well of course it's perhaps not very respectable for a player like for example Avila who is uh, trying to force a move to Boca from Huracan uh, angry with the president because he was not paying what he wanted the same case as Bo who in the summer had a fight with, uh, with Blanco the president of Racing because of the same the same problem And uh, now Roger Martinez is the one who had said, well, if tomorrow I am not, uh, my wages is not updated, I will consider myself a free agent because I am winning less money than I earned when I was at Aldo Civi yeah. on a loan. And these are things that are repeated. And, uh, uh, but you have, uh, in, in one hand, these cases, uh, which are not isolated cases because they are more than one or two players are there must might be a lot of players that are not known that are not uh, well paid but Etienne de San Luis and Quilmes as well are two teams but they should be a lot of a lot of uh, more teams that they even don't get even money since six months ago and, and well when you mention or you read the articles that say how how many money Teams. Oh well, yeah. I've got one here. In yes. fact, uh, about Quilmes, um, Carlos Alonso, as the treasurer of Quilmes, told Ole yesterday that the players received um, the offer uh, with open arms in, in good terms, but they rejected it because what they want is that uh, the month of February should be paid up front completely for everybody. The offer in question um, was that they were going to pay a hundred percent of February's owed wages to 23 of the squad and to the 13 who were earning the most money they were going to pay um, a partial amount. Uh, he, apparently that the difference between those would be 1.2 million pesos as well as the uh, almost 2 million pesos that are already on the table to, to cover the squad. So this gives you an idea first of all of, of how much a Primera club um, like Quilmes uh, are paying their squad. Uh, that's roughly what 3.2 million pesos per month um, 
and also gives you an idea of, of just how in the shit some of these teams are if Kilmers are struggling to pay 3.2 million a month and they're now offering February's wages and we're in almost mid-May um, yes. things aren't going well and as we say they're, they're far from the only club and so what we have as a result is this talk about the Superliga which since we last discussed it when it was being talked of as uh, something that was going to be outside the AFA and I was pointing out how stupid that was um, they now want to bring it inside the AFA have we heard anything very much detail about it that we haven't heard? I, 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 I oh, perhaps misunderstood but I, I thought that uh, like happens the Superliga was uh, 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 meant to imitate uh, Spanish, Spanish and other uh, English also, I think, that they, 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 they close manage for themselves the, 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 the tournaments and they don't depend on that anymore. Mm-hmm. They, they, do, they, sh- they wouldn't depend on that anymore, but apparently they, it will be like that. Well, they have to keep yeah. it under the AFA's jurisdiction. AFA still have to be the governing yes. body, otherwise... You end up with clubs not being able to compete in the anyway, RS national side, potentially not being able to compete in um, in the World Cup and so on. But anyway, key subject about this uh, from that it was released from the meeting that the the directors had is that you talked about this the debts, the the, the, the money that clubs owe to the AFA and the players that aren't getting paid. And but from the from the meeting they had in in, in Ezeiza, uh, with a barbecue. They ate barbecue with the meat that is being hell of expensive, and they ate asado. It's okay, uh, but 85% of the budget, or or so, or well, budget or the money they they will receive will be to the big clubs, and only 15% of it will go to the to the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. So how you can tell who that that and, and you want the small teams to 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 agree? It's I. I I didn't believe well, they, it. They did in Spain. Barcelona and Real Madrid take something like 80% of the TV rights. I think it's going to become more equitable from next year. Um, and but perhaps that 20% in Spain is bigger than the 100% here. No, sure, but it's still ridiculously inequitable. Yes, of uh, it's I mean, inc- yes it's ridiculous. When, when you're looking at the English Premier League and going, yeah, it would be more equitable to do it that way, uh, <laughs> there's a problem. Um, because of course the, the the Premier League's TV money is, is divided up fairly evenly to the point where I, I banged on about this already a couple of times, but we're going to be in a situation in a few months' time when the new season starts, where sort of twenty of the twenty-five richest clubs in the world are going to be the twenty teams in the Premier League at the time, um, and that has a knock-on effect, of course, for leagues like Argentina, because the Argentine league is going to become a feeder league to the clubs who've got the money and who can come in and, and, and get very good players for, for very little money indeed um, do we have anything more to say on this or do you think we should move on I think we should probably get on to listeners questions don't you we have not had many of them this month uh, week this week so I'm going to get straight into them rather than playing some music uh, first of all we have one from Sasha who says would Ramiro Funet Mori get into the Argentinos Juniors team he's playing at about that level right now Ramiro or Rogelio? Well, I assume he means Ramiro Fulnet Mori because uh, Everton are quite famously failing to defend very well at the moment. Uh, he does just say Fulnet Mori, but just, I'm going to assume... just got hammered by Sunderland again, so... What was the final score? It was 3-0 when I saw it, 3-0. but... Okay. <clears throat> it could have been more. 
Maybe I don't know. If, you know I, I don't know if you've watched hours. Argentina Sasha, but they're abysmal. No, they're that, that's uh, I think Roberto Martinez' next job could be at Argentinos, and even he could improve them because <laughs> they are so so bad. They really are unwatchable. Um, even even compared with Everton. And Roberto Martinez won the Copa with Wigan, which is very important. So he's a hero. Yes, he has. He's still got some stock going for him. Are you an Everton fan? No, I'm a Wigan fan. Oh, okay. That's, that's interesting for an Irishman. Mm. Yeah, well, everyone likes something a bit obscure every now and then. Indeed. Oh, Man United was too boring. <laughs> anyway, back to... They certainly are this time. <laughs> um, no, I, I would say that Funet Mori would very, very comfortably get into the Argentinos team. I think a lot of River fans would have him back tomorrow as well, in fact. Would you agree, Andres? Yes. Not Ramiro, obviously. Ramiro can... Um, can go swivel from River fans' point of view, uh, but Ramiro would be sorry, Roge- not Rogelio is what I meant there. But Ramiro would be very welcome. Um, Tom Robinson asks, "Who would be in your Olympic starting eleven? Can we start? Well, Jeronimo Rulli is going to be the goalkeeper for sure. In defence, Mamana has to be one. I would." Th- Think, who are we going to have for the other centre back? First of all, uh, well, so Bryson. We're doing this without a squad list in front of us, by the way. We're just trying to think of names. I'm trying to remember who I was looking through the squad earlier this afternoon. Musaki, no, Musaki is. Oh, Musaki, or maybe yeah, he's, he's, he could be one of the overage players. So let, let's go with that. Rooney and Musaki are two of the overage players. Um, right Silva? and left back. Oh, Silva could be a good shout. Right back. It's tumbleweed blowing across yeah. the studio at the moment. Somebody or other at right back. Midfield forward. We're, this is going to be easier now, right? Yeah. Name a midfielder. Matthias Kranovitter is going to be in the squad. We know this already. Ramiro Funek Mori uh, and Matthias Kranovitter are very highly likely to be the only two players who play both the Copa America and um, the Olympic Games. Um, the other midfielders are going to be something like. And they've talked about Christian Erbes, maybe. Not entirely convinced. Though. Ivan Rossi from Manfield is another Oh, one Rossi's a good shot, yeah. Gil Romero, possibly. Is he young enough? Estudiantes? Not sure. If he's not 23, he's close, but uh, mm. could be. Could be uh, Up front is very easy. Yes. Dybala, Icardi. <laughs> not Vieto. Vieto is more than. Possibly Vieto as well. Yeah, you could maybe put Dybala wide or, or just behind them and have Vieto and Icardi up front. Caleri? Um, Kale- Ooh, I, I, I wouldn't put him in the 11 in the squad given his form for San Paolo maybe but he's certainly not on the, on the level of, of the other two and Celso, I'm definitely so of course yeah Lo Celso has Lo Celso Central kids yeah. are, are one of them of Serbia or Celso hmm. Salazar perhaps hmm. for, for the full back spot that we have vacant there we go I think we got an 11 there somehow accidentally um, so that was an easy answer Thank you, Tom. Uh, Latam Football has sent in some some tweets with his predictions this weekend, which I will read out in a few minutes, having completely forgotten to ask people for them earlier. Um, and that's it. Those are all the questions. So thank you very much for your questions, uh, Sasha and Tom. Um, and now, sit back, enjoy some nice mystical theme music, and when we're back after it, I will go through Latam Football's uh, weekend predictions for the 14th round. So don't go away. 
Okay, last week, the die that we threw to decide the matches, um, we have often commented on how just random picks would probably get about 5 or 6 out of 15 each week. Turns out that's not true, uh, at least on a sample of, of one weekend. Uh, the die last week got 2 out of 15, so well done, Mystic Die. Uh, this week, we have predictions from Mystic Latam Football at the last minute. Um, who says that the following results are going to happen. Huracan are going to get a home win against Union. Atletico Tucumán uh, to beat San Martín. He's going for Racing to get an away win over Defensa Justicia. Godoy Cruz to win at home to Belgrano. San Lorenzo to win away to Colón, which would have those two still neck and neck with one match left. Um, River to beat Gimnasia in the Monumental. Independiente to beat Arsenal in Avellaneda, uh, specifically in, in Independiente Stadium in Avellaneda, we should say, because uh, Sarandi is part of Avellaneda as well. Lanús to win away to Argentinos Juniors, that I think would be the least surprising result of the weekend, it's fair to say. Temple versus Newell's draw, Sarmiento versus Tigre draw, Aldo City versus Atletico de Rafaela draw, Rosario Central, he says they're going to beat Quilmes. Estudiantes are going to draw at home to Boca Juniors and Patronato to beat Olimpo and Vélez Southfield to get an away win over Banfield on Monday night. Any thoughts on those predictions, Jones? No, I think it's... Uh, to me, they all look good. After two of, uh, out of 15, it's... Be almost, it will be better for sure. Almost certain to do better than, than the die. And the non sentient. Uh, the the, the normal results or the obvious results are, are there. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, obviously, I have three and a half or four years of experience uh, in this, and so I can say that probably none of them are going to be right. But, uh, but we'll see. Good luck. Backing River to get, finally get another win. I don't know. Gymnasia are doing Oh, okay. true, yeah, both of them. Mm. Not sure. We shall mm. see. We shall. We shall. Um, in the meantime, for now, it's thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the Copa Libertadores football on Thursday evening, by which time you will hopefully already have listened to this, at least if you're one of the early birds who gets in there and listens within a very short time of it going online. Um, so I will not be back for the first time in a few weeks. I won't be back after the theme music at the end to tell you the scores of the matches that we've missed. Um, thank you very much for listening for another week, ladies and gents. And it is goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. Goodbye, and thank you very much for joining us for the first time. Uh, Killian, you're welcome to come back anytime you want. Been a pleasure. See you later. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.